the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Acts chapter 25, and I am so pleased to welcome back to the podcast host of Mornings with Carmen, Carmen LaBerge. Welcome, Carmen. Hello. Thank you so much. Okay, so chapter 25, what sticks out to you? Well, I think that what stands out to me um, most, if I'm just going to point to one thing, I'd start with Paul having the opportunity to finally make his appeal to be heard in Rome before Caesar. Like mm. he, this is where Paul being a citizen of, of, of Rome, um, I think having his heart really set for some period of time on going to Rome, um, this provides the opportunity for him to lay claim to that possibility and to have it affirmatively answered because the right man is now in a position to make it happen, and that is Festus. Yes, because what were, we were seeing at the end of chapter 24, that he's lingering. He's lingering yeah, in prison. Yeah, two years, right, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's just languishing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Languishing in prison, that's right. And Two so the, years. Now, it does occur to me that, like, Paul made use of that time. I mean, like, we know really amazing things happened when Paul was in prison because he had the opportunity to— communicate beyond the prison walls and yet not have to travel anywhere to do it. So, like, I recognize that when I imagine Paul languishing or lingering in prison, he is not wasting a moment of time while he's there. Mm. He's busy converting other prisoners and prison (laughs) guards and on and on and on, which we've seen testimony of throughout the book of Acts. Yes. And so the first question on the study guide is how do Festus, Agrippa, and Bernice appear to as leaders to you compared to Felix? Yeah, so I think, you know, so we have to go back and uh, remind ourselves in chapter 24 just what kind of leader Felix was. And Felix was all about doing what was going to serve Felix. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that's definitely important to keep in mind here. I was also reminded that we know that Felix um, has a wife, Drusilla, um, and we don't necessarily have many positive things that we know about her, but she was Jewish. Mm-hmm. And it's always curious to me that um, we, where we know that, uh, that Felix sent for Paul and listened to him and spoke about faith in Christ Jesus, we also recognize that there's a very different spirit of listening once we get to chapter 25 and we're talking about Festus and we're talking about Agrippa and Bernice. These people seem genuinely interested in justice, genuinely interested in hearing what Paul has to say, and totally and completely honest about what they don't know. Like, it's it's an interesting—maybe um, they seem more authentic and more honest uh, than Felix does. Yeah, I would agree with that, that they—it seems like Festus is really concerned, like you said, about justice. And, and so he even, you know, has the— the um the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem come and make their accusations and even from that he said you know he can't can't find anything <laughs> yeah, he's that he's like, actually guilty he's of like, they don't make any points that have any he's not guilty of doing anything no, yeah. he's talking about this guy Jesus that they say is dead and he's saying it's a he's alive <laughs> yeah and then I mean, I mean so much so that he even brings Agrippa and his sister Bernice into it saying I like he wants to go to the emperor and I don't even know what to write will you hear him and help me. <laughs> right? 
No, I like it, and it and it seems like they're the three of them are like genuinely listening, right? And and mm-hmm. I know that chapter twenty five ends and chapter twenty six begins sort of in the middle of this conversation, and so we're not going to creep over into chapter twenty six. But um, I was tempted to do so. Yeah, I was too. Because and I actually when I got to the end of twenty five, you're right. You just because then that's when Paul starts talking to Agrippa. Yeah, no, it's, okay. that's exactly right. We are we are going to conclude our conversation right in the middle of. <laughs> What should what should be chapters twenty five and twenty six read together? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw that happen back a little bit earlier in twenty one and twenty two that they leak into each other. Yeah, like doesn't twenty one like end with a like a, in the middle uh, of a paragraph almost like a semicolon or something? Yeah. <laughs> something crazy. Yeah. Um, the second question on the study guide is: There a strategy in Paul getting the chance mm. to appear before so many leaders? If yes, what do you think is the purpose? Well, I don't know that it's Paul's strategy at all. It's definitely Jesus's strategy. It's God's strategy. It's a kingdom advancing strategy. Uh, we have a person who has, uh, who is able because of his upbringing, because of the things that he knows and the way that he's been trained, because of his passion for uh, what we would call the Old Testament, but the scriptures. Um, Paul, who was Saul, um, has been uniquely called by God. Mm-hmm. And if we remember from Saul's conversion um, back in chapter 9, the Lord identifies then Saul, but the one we know as Paul, to Ananias as his chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So is it a strategy? Yes, it's a strategy that was laid out uh, by the Lord himself um, in his you know, testimony to Ananias in what we have as recorded in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. So yes, it's a strategy. Um, Jesus intends to have his name proclaimed everywhere uh, to the, the lowest depths and the highest heights. And he knows that he can use Paul as an instrument, not only among the Jews, which he has done, but he can do so among the Romans because Paul is a Roman citizen mm-hmm. and he can appeal to go to Rome. That's so good. And it also makes me think of just the historical context of the time as well, that the way that, you know, the the roads, you know, the, the, Absolutely. the modes of travel were so much better than they had been before so that they can go, so that, you know, to your point about the the gospel of Jesus going out, that not only can Paul move so freely because he's a Roman citizen and all of the knowledge that he has from being a Pharisee and growing up that way, but then just the easy modes of travel because it's just, you know, when you're in the midst of something, I think it can be hard to see God's greater plan. But, you know, we're looking back a couple thousand years, and so it's easier to see the big picture of how God was moving and what he was doing. Sorry, I'm just having a little aha moment for myself right there. No, you're totally 100% right. The other um, the other thing that all these people have in common, and again, this is from a different era of God allowing a particular um, kingdom or empire to rule, and that would be the Greeks, because there is a common language in all these lands, and, and the common language is Greek. Mm-hmm. They all know Greek because at one point they were all under Um, you know, Greek influence. And so Greek is a common language uh, because of the expanse of the Roman Empire. There's not only these roads that the military built in order to, um, for the army to move around, but then they have created this Pax Romana, this basic peace 
Um, now, they've done so by force, and so it's sometimes challenging, I think, for us to look at this and say, this is by God's design. This is God's strategy. And, you know, men make their plans, but God's actually the one working out his will, and many times in ways that in the moment we can't see, but mm-hmm. in hindsight we certainly can. Yeah, and it, it, I think that also points to God making good out of things that may not appear to be good as well. Absolutely. And now you're looking, you know, like all the way back, right, to the Old Testament testimony of Joseph. I mean, what others meant for evil, God certainly used for good. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true in these stories as well. Like we think throwing somebody in prison, that's a bad thing. Well, unless God intends to use them to convert the jailer or to convert the person in the cell with them or to, um, you know, advance uh, this this one person, in this case, Paul's opportunity to get to make his appeal to Caesar, because that's a that's a hard place to get an audience. But a Roman citizen accused of something, uh, you know, under Roman authority in a place called Judea has the opportunity to make that appeal. So you're you're exactly right. There are times when we see something happen or we experience something and it, it can only be bad. Like, how could this possibly be good? Mm-hmm. Well, because God can make it so. Yeah, and you're kind of touching a little bit on the third question from the study guide. Why do you think God, or why do you think Paul appealed to Caesar? Do you think it was to make, to be able to present the gospel to him? So I think there's lots of reasons. One, maybe at a really basic level, to escape the the bloodthirst of the Jews. Mm. Like, there's no question (laughs) they're trying to kill Paul at this point. All All the the time. time. Mm -hmm. So that's one motivation. Um, But I definitely think there is, Paul desires to go to Rome. Mm. He he desires to go to Rome. Um, And so there's this personal desire. There is this desire to not be killed by the Jews. Um, yes, I think there is always in Paul the desire or the uh, the like just heartfelt um, motivation for the gospel to be shared in another place. Whether or not um, that's sort of top of list here is hard for us to say, um, but God has certainly given him the opportunity to rise uh, as a person of influence to the highest of levels uh, mm-hmm. in terms of gaining an audience. That's interesting that when you were talking about influence and to think about that, the way that Paul stewarded that influence, whether he Mm -hmm. was in prison, whether he was out of prison, whether he was on a ship, wherever he was, that he, no matter what the conditions were, no matter what the situation was for himself, that he was always leveraging his influence for an opportunity to share the gospel. So and good. that's a really good lesson to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just preaching to myself now. It's good. It's a good sermon. <laughs> Is there anything else from chapter 25 that you want to make sure we talk about? I just, I, I appreciate Festus. Um, and I think that um, if you're in a position to be considering um, the motivations of other people, particularly as they influence the lives of others, I mean, Festus really had to weigh whether or not what the Jews were asking for was righteous. Mm-hmm. And then he had to weigh this prisoner who he knew um, Phoenix, uh, Felix had left, you know, languishing for a couple of years. And I don't think Festus really knew why. And I just think the honesty of this individual who has been elevated to a position of power and his humility with King Agrippa and Bernice, I mean, I just, Festus makes for an interesting character study. Maybe that's my other takeaway from chapter 25. That's so good. Thank you so much for taking time to talk about Acts 25, Carmen. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Thank you, Angela. 
Thank you for joining us for Acts chapter 25. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Acts chapter 26. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you.